Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. Check this out. It's episode 87 of Dope Nostalgia. I'm your host, Naomi. My good friends, Daniel Schessel and James P. White are my co-hosts on this episode while we talk about some Christian music in the 90s. Our primary focus on this episode is the band Petra, which is one of the original contemporary rock Christian bands of the time. And we're going to give you a little bit more information about Petra right now. Wikipedia Moment. Petra is an American music group regarded as a pioneer of the Christian rock and contemporary Christian music genres, and was for many years regarded as the world's most popular Christian rock band. Formed in 1972, the band took its name from the Greek word for rock. Though it disbanded formally in 2006, incarnations have played reunion shows in the years since and released two albums in November 2010 and in November 2017. In 2013, it reformed with new drummer Christian Borneo and recorded a new song titled Holy Is Your Name before going back on tour. With a style initially similar to the Eagles and Leonard Skinnerd, Petra's sound evolved into a more energetic, driving rock sound in the early 80s akin to Foreigner, Styx, and Journey. Throughout the 1980s and into the early 1990s, Petra was one of the world's most popular Christian rock bands, with each of its albums during that period selling hundreds of thousands of copies, while the band sold out arenas and regularly placed songs at the top of Christian radio charts. With its lyrics, music, and style, Petra influenced numerous other artists at a time when Christian rock experienced strong opposition from many conservative pastors and churches. In more than three decades, the band experienced numerous lineup changes, yet released 20 studio albums, as well as two Spanish language and two live albums, selling nearly 10 million copies while being nominated for 13 Grammy Awards, winning four, and winning 10 Dev Awards. Its biggest hit, The Coloring Song, reached the top position on three Christian radio charts simultaneously. And at its peak, the band's tours rivaled Amy Grant's in popularity among Christian audiences. Petra was the first rock band inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame and the first Christian band whose memorabilia was included in the Hard Rock Cafe restaurant chain. The band announced its retirement in 2005, launching a farewell tour that was recorded for release on CD and DVD. Petra's 33-year career ended with a performance in the early hours of January 1st, 2006 in Murphy, North Carolina. However, the band has continued to perform sporadically since then. In November 2010, an incarnation of the band's mid-1980s lineup surfaced under the name Classic Petra. It released an album, Back to the Rock, featuring one new song called Too Big to Fail. This was a song taken from Greg X. Volts' 2009 album God Only Knows, Back to the Rock, as well as re-recordings of hits from that era. The band released a companion live CD and DVD in 2011. I want to welcome Dan and James to the show as we talk about Petra and some other Christian contemporary artists in the 90s. You should come out to Spruce Grove tonight. 
I have to host karaoke tonight too. <gasps> you have to host karaoke every Saturday night at uh, nine p.m. Yep. And I have it's to go watch. And I have to go watch that stupid movie, The Pig, at the Metro. Oh really? What's that? That's that. Uh, it's basically supposed to be like a John Wick version of, uh, like, basically Nick Cage. Someone steals his pig, and he gets <laughs> revenge by tra- chasing everybody down to get the pig. Oh, that's good. That sounds amazing. That, that doesn't sound like a horrible time. No. <laughs> and you have no. to go see this? <laughs> uh, for, for Midget at the uh, Movies. Oh, geez. Because it's a Nick Cage movie. Is it new? Uh, yeah, like it's not in any other theater. It's just open in Metro. Oh. Yeah, Pacific anything Cardinal. in the Metro is kind of an odd, you know, one-off. But but according to Rotten Tomatoes, it's got like 90% critic score really they say it's one of one of his best acting roles he's really reaching for one of those oscars eh yeah Yeah. (laughs) reaching for an oscar for a movie that doesn't make it to the theater no those are the best kind those are the ones that win the big awards because they're so artistic that's right you got vision we're here today to talk about some christian artists (laughs) pop christian rock and uh the biggest one of all, of course, being Petra, because Petra is also known as the um, probably the most successful and the world's most popular Christian rock band. Yeah, because it went from the mid '70s all the way to uh, 2000s. And yeah. you guys both grew up listening to Petra, and that's why I was like, "You guys are both good friends of mine. It would be wonderful to talk to you about them." I didn't, you know, it's funny because I went to a Christian school. I did have some. Uh, obviously exposure to a lot of Christian music, but Petra wasn't being played at my school and I didn't know much about them. Well, Petra, when there was a, there was a, a, a group of people who really didn't like Petra Why? when we were growing up because they were rock. Okay. And rock, and rock, rock was bad. Rock like was it. bad. Yeah. And rock was only bad. Like the reason that my grandparents told me that rock was bad was because the syncopated beats were, would lead you to do bad things. Yep. Yeah. And so there was banned. I know Petra was banned at, at, at quite a few places. They wouldn't let you play, play their music. And, and the thing is, is they judge it because of the type of music it is. But if you actually mm-hmm. listen to the lyrics of 90% of their songs, they're a hundred percent Christian based. Like they're oh, yeah. about, about their faith, about quoting scripture, all these different things. Yeah, they were a great band. That's did fantastic. You, did you know the name Petra is uh, Greek for rock? Yes. Yes. No, um, I, I see where you're coming from completely because like, I feel like there was like just some sects of Christianity that frowned upon the rock music. But I was so gravitated to the sound of rock music. I couldn't help myself. I love it. So I had a huge struggle in my teens growing up trying to find my own way with music. I mean, that's why I wasn't even allowed to even have any like secular music. And that's what people, Christians call popular music. Yeah. Those who don't know. Um, I wasn't even allowed to listen to it or have it. So when I finally did, I had to hide it. (laughs) I had to hide (laughs) it from like my grandparents, especially um, because they were super frowned upon it. Um, Did you guys have that struggle at all in your families or no? Well, I don't think Jimmy did, right? Mine, mine was actually kind of in reverse. Uh, 
my parents didn't like the fact that I was listening to Christian music. It was uh, like they kind of frowned upon that Mm -hmm. rather than listening to secular music. Mm -hmm. So that's where I kind of had a bit of a struggle with my family. Yeah. My family went back and forth on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, My dad was never, he was never a Christian, uh, but my mom certainly was. And yeah, I know she had some times where she was, we were, we were very solely listening to just only Christian music in, in the home. And that was all we ever listened to. Um, but I don't think we ever, unless it was like something with a bunch of swears in it, she didn't really care too much what we were listening to. Yeah. As long as the lyrical content wasn't, I figured if it didn't hinder your walk with God, then it should yeah. be an issue. Yeah, she didn't like Metallica that much, though. I remember that. Yeah, I got, <laughs> my the one I wasn't, I had trouble with because I liked Guns N' Roses. Oh, that was a little bit of trouble. But my mom was pretty easygoing about everything. She didn't bother her that much. It was more uh, trying to hide things from the grandparents. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so so Petra was that like the first rock band that you guys both really got into? I'd say yes for me, because they not only did they have a lot of rock music, like a lot of, you know, catchy tunes, but they had a lot of like uh, remastered hymns and stuff like that as well. Worship music. They had several worship albums that were pretty influential in in my growth, I guess you can say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Petra was definitely, I think uh, when you look back at like just the the types of bands that were around uh, during that time, uh, yeah, Petra was pretty much the only one really doing what it was doing uh, for quite some time. And uh, yeah, I mean, you like it, it was such a great, I, I love their music. I always have um, growing up. So yeah, and like Jimmy was saying, some of their worship albums were just absolutely amazing. So yeah, they were definitely up there for sure. I suppose it depended where you were able to worship, whether it was something you could listen to with like in fellowship or not with other people. But like, um, for instance, Jimmy was a youth pastor, assistant youth pastor, right? Yeah. So how was um, Petra accepted by the church you were a part of? Uh, the church had a... The funny thing about when, like, when I was growing up listening to this, uh, the Christian music, Petra was the thing. But then when I was helping out at the church, nobody was into Petra. It was, it was old. Like, they looked at it as old school. Like, they, they were more into the, the pop side of Christian music. Like, oh, yeah. your, like your Michael W. Smith, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, Newsboys, DC Talk. Yeah things like that yeah it wasn't until dc talk came around that it started to shift around to a lot of pop and i mean dc talk was rock um but michael w smith those were all huge yeah you know they they're the ones they're they're what came right after petra yeah yeah because because petra blew the doors open so that they could exist really yes and I mean, I don't know what to, what do you make of Striper? Because Striper is also a Christian rock band, but they were more of a metal band. 
Never really. I never really got into Striper. I feel like they were almost more like they wrote a line between mainstream and Christian rock. But there, it was the same thing where their message was positive and scripture wise based and such. But I remember we weren't allowed to listen to them because they were too heavy at school. Like people would like sneak in their tapes. <laughs> we listened to them on the someone's Walkman and recess kind of thing. Yeah. But, but the thing is, it's also, also if you think about it, like in, in the secular music, uh, my parents or th- their parents, they weren't allowed to listen to Elvis mm-hmm. because of his pr- provocative dance moves. You know, it's and and you look at it now and that's nothing compared to what happens now, right? Same thing with the Elvis, same thing with the Beatles, any, any kind of like thing that drove women into hysteria. <laughs> trust me i went through that with the new kids stuff because i had to bring i i would bring like bought magazines to school and hide them and i'd have them in my backpack to show the girls it was great but, <laughs> but yeah like that was a that was a big thing is like anything that would make people go hysterical like the elvis thing was completely like a no-no or push the boundaries is really what it is like with yeah they they did things that other people didn't do like the like uh, during the Beyond Belief album, when they did that mini movie, it's about 50 minutes about, you know, this guy's, uh, this uh, teenager's growth as a Christian. And, it, and it's like a musical throughout, like they have the them playing the whole album throughout the song, uh, the movie. That's so cool. I didn't know about that movie. When did that come out? Uh, around the same time as Petra did. So that, uh, sorry, uh, Beyond Belief, that was about 90. Oh, cool. So it's kind of right in the time zone of where we're um, centered in, right? So, but you guys said these start, they started way back in 72. Yeah, like in mid-80s, uh, Greg X. Volts, who was their uh, singer, mm-hmm. left. I can't remember the reason behind it, but then John Schlitt joined the band. And, mm-hmm. then, and that was, uh, and then it went from there. And I believe Beyond Belief was their fourth album as with uh, John as the singer, fourth or fifth. Oh, wow. Their past member list is huge. Yes. Like that, that band um, definitely went through changes yeah. <laughs> uh, constantly. Uh, not, not any one of their like, members really carried through. I think the one guy, the guitar player, I think he was uh, Hart. I can't remember his Bob name. Bob Hartman? Yeah, Bob Hartman. I th- he was one of the original members, and he wrote a lot of their songs. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Bob Hartman was there for quite a while, wasn't he? I've got the wiki pulled up on the side here so that I can uh, find questions and topics here, but... Um... But they, a lot of people said that like their early sound was very comparable to the Eagles and Leonard Skinnerd, like like a southern rock almost. Yeah, kind of because the way Greg uh, sang, the way he enunciated and everything was very, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they yeah, he got... definitely had a tone uh, that he had, and not only that, it was very uh, heavy with just your your typical instruments like guitar drums like there wasn't really a whole lot of synth or anything mixed in there with 
those earlier albums. That kind of evolved later. For that them? evolved, yeah. That evolved a little bit later for them. It sounds but like they, they were... did. They did change their style. They they constantly updated it um, as they as they grew. I was gonna say they they sound like a band that um, really did like change with the uh, the sound of the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. break between 2006 and 2013 um that's not too bad i mean usually a lot of times bands will break up and get back together like that you know but what happened there is that when they broke up john schlitt left and then in 2013 the original uh singer came back so they called it classic petra because it had the original had the original single uh, singer uh greg volts yeah greg volts came back that's very interesting. Now, when a band like Petra goes on tour, where do they usually play? Um, I saw them a number of, uh, a number of times, and it was at like Christian schools or Bible college. Like I saw them mm. in in I think '93. It was the Sleeping Giant tour, uh, and they were at Briarcrest Bible College in Cairnport, Saskatchewan. Oh, cool. Yeah, you told me a story once about your experience to go see them. Yeah, it was it one it, like it, it was really popular. Like we had to we took turns sleeping out in the snow waiting to like to get our tickets so that uh, we we got in and and it was it was an experience for sure and but also like the whole energy of the of the crowd and the band was moving it was it was exciting and moving at the same time because mm. whether whether it was one of their you know heavy rock songs or one of their worship tunes everybody was right into it and it was pretty cool experience yeah i was gonna say what's their stage show like is it they, flashy at all or uh it's like just like it's not like a lot of like pyrotechnic like, but this was also back in the 90s 
mm-hmm. but it was like uh like just light shows and just a band doing their thing mm-hmm. and what kind of uh christian rock shows did you get to go to i know that you were telling me about some youth events that were really cool oh yeah we went to we used to do yc every year i was there from right right back to when we were doing them red deer i think it was like 94 95 is when i started going to those and every year they would bring in big bands for those uh but i mean i i got to see so many just for from that mm-hmm. but aside from that we would we would travel around like i would go uh make trips down to calgary or or wherever a band was coming in um and we would go and watch them because if it was a christian band during the i would say during the 90s and early 2000s i was i was going to go see them that's sure. so cool for those who don't know what is yc about uh yc was a, a youth conference uh for alberta uh we would meet for a long time i think it was in red deer um and you know, all the youth groups from all over the, the province would end up coming to this uh, event and it got quite big. Uh, they moved it up to Edmonton. Um, I can't even remember what year it was when we, we moved up to Edmonton, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, it became quite the, quite the event and man, it was, it was always a fun time. What, what Tons kind of, of concerts and. What kind of venue was it held in? Uh, it so. It was at the Coliseum. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And they would use uh, the surrounding buildings as well. Um, What was that one building that was there? They changed it now to uh, the the Expo Expo? Center. That was the Agricom. The Agricom. So they would have the Agricom and they would have a bunch of shows and things going on in there. And then they'd have the main like speakers and the main concerts in the, in the Coliseum. Mm. So it would, it would be kind of an all over the place kind of thing. That's and you really just went cool. to whatever you could make it to. And like, I didn't make, I didn't go to uh, YC, but I went to youth quake. That was the one at, uh, at the Briarcrest Bible mm. college. And they used the whole campus. Like the, like you slept in dorms with other people. you, like you shared rooms with residents that were there. You, you know, they had lectures, they had, you know, activities, like whatever throughout the entire campus. And then your big events and your big speakers were in the main chapel area, which is huge. Who's the example of like one of the big speakers that would come to one of these? I remember seeing Sam Farina, uh, just, Usually it's a, like it's a it's a pastor who's just made a name for themselves, uh, and so they would come in and uh, they would get those guys, and you know they would really pump up the crowd. And, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good. about it was about the same there too. Or or they'd have like one of their professors because it was a Bible college have one of their mm-hmm. most known professor uh, doing the same thing. Yeah, there's there's, there's always a big name in in Christian culture of who the who this pastor is, and you're like, oh, I can't believe they got this speaker to come in, and you know it was a big big deal. I feel um, like nowadays it would be somebody like Joel Austin or Rick Warren or somebody like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Are they like the most popular pastors in North America? Yeah. Hmm. And they're not televangelists, are they? No. No, they were never televangelists. They were always just some big name that you'd hear, you know, uh, that could pull in a big crowd. I like Rick Warren's books. Yes, me too. I, I have one of them and it's, it's, it's always been quite helpful. Um, and the one phenomenon that's really big in the U S that I don't find that, I don't know if it exists in Canada at all is the mega church. Were you talking about a church that can seat over like, I think these things can seat over 5,000 to 10,000 people. It's basically an arena. Yeah. And that's what, like, that's definitely what those two pastors have in there hometowns because like do you are you guys aware of anywhere in canada where there's a mega church the biggest church i've been to in canada was actually in winnipeg and it was the spring church and they hold about twelve thousand people in their church Twelve thousand, but that makes sense because winnipeg is like there's a lot a huge mennonite population but i mean in southern manitoba but i don't know if mennonites would go to uh what kind of church i thought they go to their own type of church yeah, uh, like, but like this is like a Pentecostal type yeah. church, the one, uh, the one I'm talking about. Do you guys remember Central Tabernacle downtown here in Edmonton? Yes. It was the big pyramid church. That's where the singing yeah. Christmas tree was every year. Yeah. Yeah, we went to that a few times. That was a they used church. to have like good choirs and stuff like that would be there. Yeah. They had some pretty good acoustics in there. But since this is like a 90s podcast, Beyond Belief was the 1990 release. And this was the one that James is talking about having the movie behind it and everything. It was a pretty big deal, hey? Yeah, it was. And like, like in the movie, in the movie itself, they actually show them live. Like they were, they were doing a mission trip and I think somewhere in South America and Petra was there part of this mission trip. Uh, in in the movie and it really was a real thing that happened mm. where they actually were there and the, the members of the band were you know telling their testimonies and stuff like that it like it really did oh, happen wow. not just not just filmed in this show oh that's huh. amazing um was the single the singles title off that album were creed love and prayer which made me also think of um and I am the rock, but it also made me think of the band Creed for a second because I wonder if the band Creed might have been named after that song or just the- no. Like, what's what that song is uh, is the song itself, and probably the band is probably named after what they wrote the song about. Mm-hmm. The song is about the Apostles' Creed, mm-hmm. so so it basically adapts the the Apostles' Creed into uh, a song. And I bet you the band Creed mm-hmm. took the name from Creed. Because like, yeah, no, like go the, ahead. Like the Creed, like the Apostles Creed starts out with, you know, I believe in God, the father, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. And it's basically the, the whole song is that. And that's like the basis of uh, Christian faith is kind of wrapped into this little, into the creed. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's very similar to just like having a prayer for salvation. Kind of, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that creed was originally 
I don't know if they were originally secular, but a lot of people said that they were a Christian rock band at one point. Yeah, they did. Um, I think they they always tried to play it off as no, we weren't because they wanted to stay in that mainstream um, grouping. Yeah. Um, because as soon as you're labeled a, a Christian band. Then you're not putting normal record not, stores yeah. as much or touring yeah, the same. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a whole, there was a stigma of, well, Christian music is not as good as as uh yeah which is absolutely not true no but they but they look at uh, they look at christian but they look at christian music as you're trying to preach in a different way yeah this Mm -hmm. is how it ends up getting labeled i don't know if petra was ever one that really crossed over in any way to mainstream audiences because a lot of people i ask who i mentioned them have not heard of them um I would say one of the first to do that was probably Amy Grant. Yes, I think she was probably one of the first to do that. Um, now, I was a big Amy Grant fan um, with, with her first like few albums. Um, Lead Me On was my favorite album by her, and that was probably like late 80s, like 89, something like that. And then um, she comes out with... The album Heart in Motion, which is it just celebrated its 30 year anniversary this year. So 1991's Heart in Motion. A lot of people were up in arms about it in the church because they were like, how dare she cross try to cross over? Why is she going secular? And a lot of people frowned on her about that. But I thought it was still very just because there's some love songs on there. There's nothing wrong with love songs, in my opinion. Um, you know, they weren't dirty in any way or, you know, and, and I thought her doing that opened the door as well for a lot of Christian artists. Like Michael W. Smith was able to release that song, A Place in This World, and it charted on mainstream, like Billboard. Yeah. What did you guys think about that when that was happening? I I was a fan of Amy Grant back, uh, back during those days. And, and when, when I did, listen to that music and then it would be on the radio in my parents' car mm-hmm. because it was on normal uh, being played on the normal channels was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, you, you always, you're, you're like, you got it. You, you have your, see for a Christian, you have these songs that you can constantly listen to and you have all this music that you're, you're always listening and you're like, man, these guys are great. And you're trying to tell other people like, you know, the actual music is actually pretty darn good. Um, and it's not always all preachy, mm. but you know, and then you get a whole bunch of people saying, no, 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 it's, we, we don't want to listen to this. And then all of a sudden, one of those songs just kind of like pops onto the, the charts and you're like, see, mm. like, <laughs> yeah, this is not that bad, is it? Oh, here's an example. Jones yeah. of Clay for uh, Flood. Oh, Flood. Oh, oh, yes. That was a big Great hit song. on mainstream radio, but it's a song. It's a Christian song. It's not even like... Oh, a, it's, it's not even hiding the fact that it's a Christian song. Yeah. It's a, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it, it hit big time on the... on the. And I remember seeing Jars of Clay um, uh, at uh, YC one year. That's cool. That's very cool. 
I know there's quite a few there's quite a few bands that have had mainstream success that were started as Christians. One of the ones that people get confused about though is a lot of people said that Evanescence was a Christian band, but they actually never were. For no. some reason they got labeled as such. And that's something that they've been interviewed about constantly and they've been like we don't know why that <laughs> happened, but it did. Um I'm a, I like Evanescence's music, so I was kind of like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but no, apparently they aren't. This test of your faith will last As long as it takes to pass Do you have no more doubt you'll endure? And your faith will Hey friends, you know what I really love doing is podcasting. It's so much fun and I've been so lucky because I've talked to amazing people so far doing this show and I'm trying to bring you guys the very best content I can. Now in doing that, it does get kind of expensive and I'm on a little bit of a budget to do so, but there's a way you guys can help out and it's called Patreon. If you visit our Patreon page, you can subscribe to our podcast and get all kinds of ultimate perks just for subscribers. There's different tiered levels, so you can join for only $1 a month if you like. What's in it for you? Bonus content. We'll give you a shout-out on the show. We're going to be recording all kinds of super secret stuff just for our Patreon subscribers. And in doing that, in subscribing, you're going to help us pay the bills. Help me pay my phone bill when I'm calling people far away for an interview. Help us pay for our licensing fees so we can play you awesome music clips and so much more to help keep this boat afloat. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dope nostalgia. Love music? Who Who doesn't? doesn't? Who and what were the albums and artists that really turned you onto music? The ones that made you really stop and listen. The ones that shaped your tastes and opened your horizons. That's what we want to talk about. Dig deep into your vinyl, CDs, or even stream away. Let's listen and learn all about what made you fall in love with music in the first place. This is Learning to Listen. So good. Okay, interesting take. Uh, could you read like a human being? Or, uh... That's exactly the way a human would read that. Take two. The ones that, uh, I don't know, shaped your tastes and opened your horizons, you know? That's 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 what we want to talk about, you know? You know? Dig, <laughs> dig deep into your vinyl, CDs, or even stream away. Join Quinn, Charlie, and myself, Naomi, for a brand new album every single week on L2L, Learning to Listen. 
Found everywhere great podcasts are served. I've been listening to their uh, album, the the forty year, fortieth anniversary album, quite a bit lately. Mm. Um, it wasn't obviously; it's not a perfect representation, but it's it does do a pretty good, I say, a pretty good job of going through. It it showed it like, like I know I know which uh, album you're talking about, and it does yeah. show the difference between the earlier of the band to the later, and then. Yes, it gives more. you a good idea of this is how they sounded in the early days, and then you can kind of go through it, and it's like, oh, I see the the how it evolves, and as you get through that album, by the time you're at the end, you're like, oh, this song at the beginning and the song at the end are way different, and it you can see how far they've come as a band by like the time e- you're done. Even I like that. even when the the classic petra came out like the newer one where yeah. they had to, where it had uh greg x volts um that was different from uh back when he was the the band back then it was he changed changed his style a bit too yeah it wasn't just him bringing back the old who's your favorite of the two singers I have to say, uh, John Schlitt is mine. Yeah. Because he did the majority of it. uh, As I said, from the mid 80s till 2005. Mm -hmm. So about two, I think it was uh, 2085 ish. Okay. And then, and then he went and then to 2005. So he did the majority, like he, didn't do all of it but he did a, like he was probably the most known to yeah. someone of my generation because greg uh, greg volts was kind of before i even started listening to christian music oh yeah yeah greg volts kind of was the tail tail end of when i started listening mm-hmm. um and then yeah john slit was the the one who yeah he was the one who carried the band from that point uh pretty much from the 90s or late yeah. 80s, mid 80s. Are they a band that when you got into them, when you discovered them at the time you did, that you went back into the back catalog to hear some of the older stuff? Or did you just kind of- Oh yeah, we had tapes at? of old Petra. Like, oh yeah, me too. House. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And we would and- always have them on. It's just like if any any one of us with 
old records, right? Like you'd have like old Elvis records kicking around. You'd listen to them, right? And mm-hmm. you know. you'd still have your favorites, but you'd still listen to the the what made them who they yes. are. Uh, one of the things like I found interesting here was I noticed when I was listening to some Petra earlier, um, the song God Gave Rock and Roll to You mm. is a song that they actually recorded. And the funny thing was, is that I discovered that song from where a lot of people did. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 2. Yeah. <laughs> and Kiss performed Kiss. it. Yes, yes. Oh, and Kiss was a big no-no in, in Christian school. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, 100%. They told me that that stood for Knights in Satan's service. Which Kiss yeah. have denied. <laughs> but, but also, when when I was going to school, Alice Cooper was looked at the same way and that he was the, you know, the devil's messenger. And he and he's the most devout Christian there was in the rock world but he just did his music mm-hmm. and he did secular music but he was I was very... wondering if he was always Christian throughout or if it was a recent development I know it was not at the beginning but I know he there wasn't something that happened that kind of just drove him to you know take the faith nice um, I really do like the history of that song though mm-hmm because uh, that the the band Argent in 1973 is the one who actually came up with that song, um, you know, God gave rock and roll to you, and uh, Petra covered it in 1977. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but they changed the lyrics. Uh, they they changed a few of the the, the lyrics in the in the song, kind of made it their own. And then when Kiss covered it in 1991. Uh, it was also changed again, uh, mm. slightly in order to, you know, for their, for their band as well. So, I mean, it's, it's a cool song, right?
love it. And it's a great song. I had some like struggle with it because I, when it came out, because I loved it so much, but I was kind of wondering if it was like bad because a lot of people would be like, no, why would God give rock to you if it's bad? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I see what Petra's trying to say is like, it's not bad. This is something that it's another blessing in life. Yeah. To enjoy rock music. Yeah. But I thought that was cool that they had that. And then along with other worship songs, I wonder like how many of the different worship songs that they have performed that are really popular or really popular back in chapel and school and <laughs> probably quite a few. Like there was quite a few of the songs in uh, Petra Praise 2 that we used to sing in church. I was just looking at that album because um, it was... Oh, they got a, nominated for a Grammy for that album, for Best Pop Contemporary Gospel Album. But not only that, they had featured guest vocals from Lou Graham from Foreigner on that album. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was interesting. Hmm. That was a Petra Praise 2 one? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the one that came out in 96. Yeah, that's right. Or 97, sorry. Here's a quote from Schlitt um, asking about the band success. He says, I would say from my gut that we are probably as low as we're going to go in that valley and headed for the next peak. That's fine with me because everybody needs a turn. We've been at the top of the mountain twice already. And if nothing else, we need to get out of the way and let other bands have some fun. I mean, now there's variety that Christian kids can have and they don't just grab Petra. Now they can get Jars of Clay, DC Talk or Newsboys. Interesting. Again, it goes back to the fact that when they were doing what they were doing, they were the only ones doing it. And they yeah. were the only ones doing it for so long. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and there was no one really out there to compete with them 
in any meaningful way um, mm -hmm. until roughly around the 90s when other bands started, you know, popping up. Even then, I don't remember a rock-centered band. It was like you guys said earlier, it was a lot of pop music. And even DC Talk, I guess, would be considered pop rock, but I thought they were more like, weren't they more like hip-hop? They, they were very hip-hoppy. They, they became hip-hoppy. They started off, I think, rock, though. Mm, okay. So they were just trying to find their footing on what kind of genre they wanted to be? Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about DC Talk, but they were huge, right? They were, they were massive. Yes. And what was their hit that made it on the radio? Uh, I don't sure. Like they, they did Jesus Freak was the, just between you and me. That was a big one for them. Yeah. Just between you and me. Uh, but Jesus Freak was huge. Yeah, I think Jesus it, Freak was the biggest one for them. But I think that one almost, I think that almost hit the, didn't that hit the radio too? Like the mainstream? I'm not I sure don't if that know. one did or not. That one is a harder one to get on the, the radio just because it says Jesus in it. Um, but it's it was such a, a big that it's like that. song for them. You know, isn't it? It's really sad that we live in a world that it's that's like that. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that, that they can't coexist the, the, with, with main music. It's It's crazy. They, in the year 2000, Petra was the first Christian rock band to be inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. That would be a huge event. Yeah. Because that means yeah. that, that's kind of like the accepting. Yeah, like we're finally. Yeah, accepting that yeah, rock music is there's a place in it in, in the Christian world. And a lot of churches now are full bands full bands like with drum kits and everything right worship music in most at least like i go to a church in the city or it was before the pandemic anyway called celebration and um <clears throat> yeah they have like the worship service is full band oh yeah and the music is very current sounding there's like a lot radio. a lot of uh churches that you'll go to nowadays um they have full band sound and it's 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 pretty good worship music if you go on any given sunday the music is great mm. um there are still the odd one here and there you'll find that will not allow a drum kit in there mm -hmm. in the in the in the service right yeah, yeah i can imagine that and a guitar like an electric guitar no distortion yeah no distortion <laughs> I like it because I mean, it's nice to find the church where I could find music that I could really enjoy. And like, I am obviously I'm a Christian. I'm still a Christian always will be obviously. But then like I go to this church um, called celebration and I'm listening to the worship music. And I have this thing where I get so like moved by it that I, my eyes start leaking. Like I'm crying and I'm trying not to be, cause I'm looking around and I don't see other people do it. So I, I get all embarrassed about it, but ever, this lady just like turns to me and she just smiles at me and holds my hand. And I'm like, Ugh. I get like ugly crying during. So I love the worship music, but I have a hard time holding my face together. <laughs> it's embarrassing. There are some songs like that, like in worship music mm -hmm. that, uh, that used to move me too, where you, you, yeah, you get emotional or you 
you know, mm. get quiet or you, you get focused or whatever. And I think that's what it's part of the whole experience. It's meant to move you. Yeah. Inspire. They, yeah. They, there's some, uh, there's some really good, um, music out there, uh, that just move you in a way that, uh, is like no other, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazing Grace still gets me. And that song is like flipping old. Yep. Right? Yeah. I still love that song. You, that song comes up, if you sing it the right way, still, what an impact it can have. But also with this song, like Amazing Grace, though, if you know the story behind the man who wrote it, mm-hmm. it's, it moves even more. Yeah, like there's there's always something else too, right? Like so, yeah. Uh, there, Christian music is there's. I grew up on it. Mm-hmm. I had there's a special place in my heart for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, I I went to so many like YCs and got to see so many different bands and and so many different. Uh, I was exposed to a lot of that side of the music uh, industry. Mm-hmm. And. You know, and even though it didn't always make it out out into the mainstream, it still will always um, have a special place in my heart, mm. uh, and I'll always enjoy that music. Uh, yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. What about you, Jimmy? Do you still throw on Petra? Oh, uh, yes. When I'm oddly enough, like when I'm. Uh, struggling when things seem uncertain when you know i do and it helps me kind of get grounded to where i was when i first started listening to that music and back to when my faith was new Mm -hmm. and remembering what kept me in it i guess Mm -hmm. so yeah like when when stuff is uncertain sometimes i throw it on or you know watch that Petra mini movie or, or, you know, watch the music videos or things like that. And just remind me of who I was, where I was and where I've come from. That's a cool thing about music too, is that when you listen to certain songs, not only can they help you through certain times, but they also the memories that take you back to places where you were. They always seem to do that. And I think that's a, a really interesting phenomenon. It's like you feel like you were there all over again. The brain is pretty crazy. (laughs) Like every time I hear the song Beyond Belief, um, I remember a youth group, me and my uh, best friend Kyle, we did a lip sync concert version of that song and and we were dancing on stage and and we we had a fan with a trampoline in front of it with a bag of flour on it. And I jumped onto the bag of flour. It just went everywhere. And that was kind of what we kind of did it. We were trying to do it like pyrotechnics, but we used flour. And awesome. And we we spent him and I spent three days cleaning up the the room that we were doing it in because it was in the uh, one of the worship rooms in the basement. So yeah, we we spent a lot of time cleaning that up. And <laughs> but totally worth it. Oh, it was 100% worth it. That sounds amazing. 
This is one of the nice things about this band, like its name is uh, The Rock and really like the this kind of worship music and everything they were about, it really does give you that. It, there's something about it that gives you that strength when you're going through hard times and, you know, and kind of like points you to the direction of Jesus. So I, I, I love this band, even though I don't know much about them until you guys explained them to me today. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. This is great. This is cool. Yeah. Very cool. huge thank you to Dan and James for being my special guests this week and talking about a beautiful band with an amazing message. And we focus on a whole show on Christian music, which was really cool. And as a listener, if you ever have any questions about Christian music or Christianity, you can always contact us and we'll be happy to have a chat anytime. Next week, our special guest on the show is Canadian rock metal queen, Lee Aaron. One of my very favorite big female rocker influences. So it was an absolute joy to talk to her. And I can't wait till next week to tell you all about Lee Aaron's new album. Until then, everyone take care. Hey, kids, put down that Tamagotchi and listen for a second. You know, you can follow us on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.